2: Oh my goodness. Uh, I, I, I don't know, Milton Burrell. <laughs> it's a good guess. No, not Milton Berle. He was once described as being a very strange fellow of very remarkable abilities. Evil Knievel. <laughs> oh man, no. Is he but, still alive? <laughs> I, it's, a, it's a great contestant for the show. He has a museum named after him. Uh, uh, Nixon? Not Nixon. All right. He appeared in a number of advertisements selling myriad products, among them Puss and Boots Cat Food and Miller Lite Beer. Burt Reynolds. Is he alive? He's dead. All right. This will probably help. He's got probably the second most recognizable nickname in sports. Ah, okay. So if first is Magic Johnson... Um, <laughs> he's still with us. Then if he's still with us, I mean... Not Boogie Cousins. I'm struggling here. I was going to say Vince Lombardi, but he doesn't have a nickname. I'm just trying to think of people significant enough to have a museum. This should help. He's one of baseball's greatest catchers and characters.
3: <laughs> Yogi Berra. <laughs> <laughs> the right?
2: last clue is inspired a cartoon character. Today's dead celebrity is Yogi Berra.
3: Yogi Berra, who entered the Yankee farm system in 43, had become one of the game's best hitters and a top-notch catcher, thanks to the patient tutoring of Yankee coach Bill Dickey. In all, Berra appeared in 14 World Series and was a part of 10 championship clubs during his tenure with the Yankees. A three-time MVP, Yogi was known for more than just his big bat.
4: Well, I want to thank you all for making me feel right at home. God bless you. Thank you.
2: Welcome to Famous and Gravy. I'm Michael Osborne. My name is Amit Kapoor. And on this show, we go through a series of categories about a famous person's life. We want to figure out the things in life that we would actually desire, and ultimately answer a big question. Would I want that life? Today, Yogi Berra. Died 2015, age 90. Category 1, grading the first line of their obituary. Yogi Berra, one of baseball's greatest catchers and characters, who as a player was a mainstay of 10 Yankees championship teams and as a manager led both the Yankees and the Mets to the World Series, but who may be more widely known as an ungainly but lovable cultural figure, inspiring a cartoon character and issuing a seemingly limitless supply of unwittingly witty epigrams known as yogiisms, died on Tuesday. My that God, was that is one sentence. That's <laughs> one sentence. What does ungainly mean in that context? Awkward, clumsy, a person who's got an ungainly walk. Did he? Yeah, it's actually, I mean, not to skip ahead too much, but something I have on the five things I love about you. Kind okay. of. Yeah. Got
4: it. Yeah. I mean, catchers, I guess.
2: Well, but ungainly is a bizarre word to use for any athlete.
4: Yeah. If you're one of those athletes that you're in a position that like deteriorates your body, like a boxer or a catcher, yeah, you know you kind of have a funny walk.
2: Yeah, well, and it doesn't really specify was he ungainly when he was a
4: catcher or after his athletic career. If they're just being rude, yeah, right. <laughs> I but, like I like mainstay. That was a good word.
2: Mainstay is a good word. There's a lot of. Biography in this. Like they say he's a player, he's a manager. They mentioned two teams, the Yankees and the Mets. They mentioned the cartoon character.
4: Which we have to go back to yeah, later on.
2: Of course. And a seemingly limitless supply of unwittingly witty
4: epigrams. I think I they're being cute because he's so witty. Unwittingly witty? <laughs> That's what it says. I don't understand. That means unintentionally witty. I
2: guess, I guess.
4: But is you it, also have to kinda of assume no. Like if you have a you can have an unwittingly witty remark. Right. But it doesn't seem like that could be a characteristic of a person. Like you can't do that repeatedly over and over again, be unintentionally witty.
2: Yeah, I don't even know if this is
4: accurate. You know I, that's what I'm saying. It's not. Yeah. That that choice of words. Wow, there's a lot of problems with this. (laughs) This. There there is, but the length, I mean, it wins the length competition. It's like a Dickens.
2: Yeah, but that's not necessarily a good thing. I mean, I think one of the things that makes a great obituary great is when they capture a lot efficiently. Like, I really like a nice economical obituary. I'm okay (laughs) with the comma splices and you hyphen some things out and even parentheticals if you have to do it. I kind of felt like they took some unnecessary liberties here with some of the flexibility we're supposed to have.
4: Well Okay, well, given that, you go first, then score it. Score the verbiage, scale of <sighs> one to ten.
2: So the verbiage I, I don't take as much issue with, but the sentence structure bothers me a little bit. So this gets a pretty low score for me. I'm going to go, I was going to say three. I and mean, it's not just a verbiage score for me, it's a how impressed I am. Yeah. Can I say something else before I get your ranking on here?
4: Are you going to say that you've deviated from what we agreed on of grading... The verbiage as the category? Am I bending the rules here? <laughs> All right. uh, yes, you may say something else.
2: So, there is a headline that's worth mentioning here. Okay. Yogi Berra, Yankee who built his stardom 90% on skill and half on wit, dies at 90. That's kind of good.
4: That is kind of good, but that's. I think that's a direct extraction from something that he said. It is. It yeah. is, yeah. Baseball is 90% mental and 50% physical. Something
2: like that, right?
4: Yeah. So. I, so does I, that I, change your score? Given the if if you're I putting don't think the headline so. in,
2: no, I think that the score is the score. Yeah, uh, well, and,
4: apparently the rules are out the window for the score, so you can <laughs> give it whatever the hell you want. So
2: we just grading on the verbiage? No, that's what reading. we
4: agreed on. That was the category. All
2: right, for the verbiage, then no, for the verbiage, score whatever you want. No, hey, no. no, I'm you're, look. We're going to fair.
4: Small government. <laughs> Come on. <laughs>
2: It's <laughs> got way more political than I intended to On the verbiage, I'll still give it a four for the same reason. I feel like I'm looking for verbiage that is economical and efficient.
4: So even though if I take some issues with the sentence structure and sentence length, I think they could do better. What's your take? Uh, I'm going to go one more. I'll give it a five. Yeah, I agree with you on the structure and length, but there's a lot to the man. And there's a long storied history. And I, I don't know how you do it. Concisely. I liked mainstay. I'm torn on ungainly and unwittingly. Yeah. I I give it an even five.
2: The next category, category two, five things I love about you. We work together to get five reasons we are talking about this person. Why don't you kick us yeah, off? Yeah, this here.
4: is gonna be tough because I got I I put down like seven of my own. So we have to eventually reach five together. Yeah. I'm gonna go as an easy one. He's from St. Louis. I just I like St. Louis. I like the central time zone. It's just, I, I like people from St. Louis generally. I'm going to
2: meet your feistiness with my own feistiness because I feel like if five things I love about you is the reason we're talking about this person, uh-huh. I don't feel like that's a good <laughs> reason.
4: But it. it is a thing I love about him. Okay, fine, scratch it, but I still got to say it. Yeah, right? you do. Yeah. yeah, okay, so five things. He's five foot seven, so uncharacteristically short for an athlete, yet he was a power hitter.
2: I had the physique at, as mine, not just his short height, but he also had really long arms. I, I mean, he's got a kind of goofy body. So that was actually on my list further down. And I, I have this memory of when I was a kid watching a baseball game with a friend and his dad. And there's some batter, and I remember saying, he's a goofy looking dude. And my friend's dad, I don't even remember who this was, but my friend's dad said, it's the goofy ones you got to watch out for. Which Sticks in my mind to this day. Yeah. That, that's that's a kind of truism of baseball, that the really handsome baseball players, I mean, some of them are good, but in that sport more than almost any other sport, you got to watch out for the goofy-looking ones. Yeah. And I don't know if I would necessarily describe them as goofy, but five seven for a professional athlete who like had tremendous success. It's pretty incredible.
4: Yeah, I think we're agreed on that.
2: Yeah, okay. I'm going to give you my top one, if I may. Yeah? I initially said the wit. But it's actually not just the wit. I love that he dropped out of school after the eighth grade and he's known for his wit. That one of my favorite kinds of people in the world is undereducated or not as educated, but very, very bright. I love it when intelligence sort of shines through despite education. Because you can meet plenty of people who've been in school and gotten you know, advanced degrees and all that stuff, and you know they know big words. But I really love it when somebody who hasn't had a tremendous amount of education is known for their smarts and wit. To me, is a version of smarts.
4: Yeah, I had I had a version of that somewhere on my list as well. The eighth grade bit. I don't encourage that. I don't advocate for that at all. Of course. But what I like about it is that it just shows that there is not always a full prescription for having a robust life, and especially a life that is characterized, in this case, by a lot of wit and a lot of subtle intelligence.
2: Of course, it's the thing he sort of secondarily came known for. We wouldn't be talking about Yogi Berra's wit if it wasn't for Yogi Berra's success as an athlete. Yeah. So it's not exactly like his intelligence specifically is what led to his success. It's what led to his transcendent fame, but you know, it's not necessarily the reason we're here. Yeah. Transcendent fame is a good way to wrap that up. Yeah. Okay. So I'll go one. Actually, can I pause one more sec? Yeah. Before we go on, should we offer some favorite yogiisms? I wrote some of these down. At the ready, because you know what? What are the witticisms that made him famous? Yogiisms, yeah. as it were. So it ain't over till it's over. Yeah. When you come to the fork in a road, take it. You can observe a lot just by watching.
4: I think that's great. Yeah.
2: yeah. Here it is. Baseball is 90% mental, and the other half is physical. I love this one. No one goes there nowadays. It's too crowded.
4: Yeah. That's a good one. That's, that's very applicable.
2: Let's see. The future ain't what it used to be. Always go to other people's funerals. Otherwise, they won't come to yours. <laughs> it's pretty good. If you don't know where you are going, you'll end up someplace else.
4: It's like deja vu all over again. That Saw was another that one. one I like. The,
2: I kind of like that one. A nickel ain't worth a dime anymore. You could go on and on. Like these are clever. You know, they make you think. I like that turn of phrase.
4: Yeah. Okay. What do you got next? I, I put that he was a player coach. I don't think it's a very common thing anymore. But he actually went from player to coach to back to player for a brief amount of time. And nowadays, I think mostly what we see is you're either a player or a coach. Yet, a lot of times, the skill set is the same. The only difference is just a few years. Yeah. So he was on the team, played for the team, and was also a coach. Correct. I Also, success in both jobs.
2: I mean, he was a two- or three-time MVP and 10 championships with the Yankees.
4: I mean, I, I think we're going to get the numbers wrong. They're all high. Yeah, all it's, the a, MVP's it's insane. From oh, well, yeah.
2: I, I got to say, and let me pause and ask this. What's your relationship to baseball? Is this one of your favorite
4: sports? It definitely was when I was a kid, mm. and yeah, I can I can just sort of watch it kind of in the background. I, I care about the Texas teams when they go somewhere. Yeah. I used to love playing it, too. Is that right? Yeah, but I wasn't good enough. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. What did you play? Uh, pitcher and third base. What's your relationship with baseball, both as an observer and a player?
2: Almost non-existent. I was kind of into baseball cards when I was really little. I was into the Oakland A's in the late 80s, uh, around the time of Maguire and Conseco. Yeah. But my parents never signed me up for Little League or anything like that. I never played baseball, so it was not one of my favorite sports. Baseball movies were
4: always the best, too. Like, Field of Dreams, Major League. Major
2: League, that's the one
4: that sticks out for me. I mean, I had a real infatuation with Major League. I, yeah. In
2: fact, Charlie Sheen's hair in that movie, Wild Thing, I did that... <laughs> unsuccessfully i asked my barber whatever to do it and it looked like an upside down christmas tree yes. I mean, totally ruined it and then like i went back i was like we didn't get this right after it grew out like two months later i went back i'm like let's try that again she still screwed it up and then she finally went out and rented the movie I was like okay i got it now and then it was a success yeah it was finally a success ultimately and how old were you at this time 11. Okay.
4: So and about now, when the movie came out.
2: About when the movie came out. Yeah. And like baseball does lend itself to good movies, all the Kevin Costner work and, you know, Bolt Arms, good one, and, you know, goes on and on. Yeah. The natural. Yeah. All right. What do you got for number okay. four? Okay. No,
4: I think and we're, we're like, only on three now.
2: Yeah. We got three. We got we the have- physique, wit coupled with <laughs> truncated education. Okay. Player coach. Player coach. I mean, dude, I would have gone cartoon character. I guess this is debatable. If you've got so many, let's talk about should we include cartoon character as five things I love. No,
4: you've introduced it. We can't not.
2: Okay. Um, is it true, first of all? That Yogi Bear was named after Yogi Berra? Yeah. So what I found on this was that the good folks at Hanna Barbera claimed no, but there was a lawsuit that then got dismissed and dropped. And as another bit of trivia, when the Associated Press first reported Yogi Berra's
4: death, they accidentally called him Yogi Bear. What you're saying it it was true, but the courts never like acknowledge that it's true. The circumstances of the dismissed
2: lawsuit. I don't know. It seems like you got to be pretty dense to believe that there's no relationship between a cartoon character named Yogi Bear when there's this extraordinarily famous baseball player called. Yogi Berra, who's even kind of known for his comedy.
4: Yeah. I, I mean, I can accept that. And so then we have to talk about the name Yogi itself. Yeah. Right. So, what,
2: Well, wait a sec. It, are, 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 we're working on number four on our five things I love about you. So are we talking about the names and or the cartoon character? I, one thing? I will
4: give it. I will take number four as, as inspired the cartoon character.
2: Yeah. In name only. I'd like to be named after a cartoon character. Well,
4: the opposite. You'd like a cartoon character named after you. That's what I meant. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's a proud thing. I I have
4: a feeling it would also be a bear. You think so? Yeah. What makes you say that? I don't know. I think the beard. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. So the name Yogi. Yes. So it was given to him by a teammate. Right. Because of the way that he, I guess what his posture was in his pre-batting routine and so forth, the way he crossed his legs and crossed his arms.
2: Yeah. I thought it was actually a childhood friend. That's what I read. It was Uh, a childhood friend who saw them, but it was a teammate.
4: Teammate of some sort. I don't know if it was was, professional
2: This was before he was in the pros. This was a name given to him as a child, but as a child obsessed with baseball. Yeah. Who saw a film that featured Indians, I guess? Specifically yogis. Specifically yogis. Yeah. And that was how he sat, so he got the name yogi. Correct. Can I point out something else? There is no other name mentioned in his obituary. There is no, like, sort of birth name or whatever. And it was um, Larry, wasn't it? Correct. It was Lawrence Peter Yogi Berra. But they didn't use that in his obituary? That's weird. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Like, usually if there's a nickname at death, they go with the name you had, and unless he got it officially changed, which I never saw any evidence
4: of that. No, I don't think so. Yeah. So I have to comment on it, because if, you know, some guy sees a film in India and gives his friend or teammate a nickname, the question you should be asking me, Michael, is do I take offense to that? It crossed my mind. And I don't. It does not bother me one bit. I get a little bit bothered, like, if I go to a yoga class and all the white people say namaste. like uh, really? I do. I do get a little bit bothered about that. Really? Um, Why? Well, one, it's pronounced namaste. Namaste, not... they. Like t- t- tha. is that right? It's There's namaste. Like a, yeah, namaste. I don't know why that just slightly bothers me that we can go way into that another time. Yeah, his name being Yogi doesn't doesn't move me in any negative way.
2: Would it today? I mean, it's a nickname he acquired in the forties or fifties, something like that. Actually, it may even be earlier. It may have been the thirties because he's born in nineteen twenty-five.
4: Again, irrelevant. Doesn't matter.
2: Really. Because the West's knowledge, I mean, knowledge of Indian culture in the 1930s is different, with, obviously, than what knowledge of Indian culture should be today in the
4: 2020s. Yeah, but being a yogi is also not something. It's not like attaining knighthood. Yeah, it's the same thing as like somebody being named priest. Yeah, like Priest Holmes who played football. Sure, it just doesn't. It doesn't do anything for me, uh, in a negative way. Right, the, the way some other other appropriations do doesn't make your ears crinkle. Now, yeah. No. And there's, I know people that go by Yogi because Yogesh is a very, not an uncommon Indian name. And a lot of those people truncate it to Yogi, sometimes even if they still live in India, but specifically if they live abroad.
2: Yeah. Are we at five?
4: Well, we're at number five now. Yeah. So what do you got for number five?
2: I think, I feel like you're coming armed with a lot here, and I want to hear it.
4: I put that he opened a bowling alley with Phil Rizzuto. In I his post baseball years, never saw that. <laughs> I just I like that as a post retirement gig, running a bowling alley. Yeah, I mean I don't know that he was like handing out the shoes. Yeah, daily operations, right? But I just I just like that. I like that going from that level of, of fame and stardom to just something that he liked and just my, a smallish non mega business. My next
2: project is a bowling alley. It could be. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah that uh, is great.
2: Okay, we'll take that. Okay, so the next category, category three, Malkovich, Malkovich.
3: Malkovich, 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 Malkovich,
2: Malkovich. This category is named after the movie Being John Malkovich, in which people take a portal into John Malkovich's mind, and they can have a front-row seat to his experiences. The point of this category is to imagine what memories or
4: experiences might have been interesting. What do you have here? So after his return to the Yankees, so to speak, in 1999, after his tiff with Steinbrenner, they declared a Yogi Berra Day, yeah. which was I saw July 18th, 1999. So on that day, the pitcher for the Yankees, David Cohn, threw a perfect game. Saw that? Oh my God! Yeah. Like that's that's incredibly auspicious. Yeah, I want to I want to be inside of that.
2: For him to put it together that, like, on this day that they're finally honoring me after my—because he had this very public falling out with George Steinbrenner, where George Steinbrenner fired him, but also didn't tell him. He had some other guy tell him, you've been let go. That hurt Yogi Berra's feelings. He distanced himself reasons. from the Yankees
4: for 14 years. Right,
2: after being a mainstay. And so finally, when they have this reconciliation, named Yogi Berra Day, David Cohn throws a, a perfect game.
4: Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, you gotta, you've got to believe in in something.
2: Yeah, that's if true. that happens, there's some magic in there. That's so much more interesting than mine. I had George Steinbrenner the reunion at his museum that led to the day. Um, oh, I didn't was,
4: catch that story.
2: Uh, there wasn't a whole lot to it. This was a Malkovich Malkovich moment. But George Steinbrenner, in an effort to bring Yogi back into the Yankee family, goes and visits Yogi Berra at the Yogi Berra Museum and. The footage I saw was just a little news clip, but it looked awkward. I'm curious about the moment. Is he feeling triumphant? You know, he got Steinbrenner to come down to his territory after all these years. Is he feeling like there's lost time? Because obviously this is a man who the Yankee organization and franchise, one of the most storied sports franchises in the world, absolutely in baseball, is like, embracing him, and it is a family. I mean, it seems sort of corny, but, like, he had such a deep relationship with this institution Yeah, that to have the head of it, George Steinberg, coming and groveling. Yes. What does that feel like? Does it, is, is it, I won, or is it like, wow, this is, this is awkward? It looked awkward. It looked awkward. So I just want to know what's going on there.
4: Yeah. Either way, a combination of either feelings could be nice.
2: Yeah. One thing we haven't quite hit on, everybody does describe him as very lovable, too. I saw the word cuddly in some reports after he died, and that's an interesting word for a former athlete, cuddly. He is a real lovable figure, and that's, that's worth noting. Okay.
3: Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I also listen to a lot of music, so having high quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds. Uh, nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell you, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know, a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising? <laughs> (laughs) Oh yeah. Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon.
2: Next category, category four, how many marriages, also how many kids,
4: and is there anything public about these relationships? You want to take this? Yeah. one. Listen, this is great. One marriage, 65 years. She died the year before he did it. Beautiful. That is very sweet.
2: He was 24 when they got married and they stayed together the whole time, 65 years. Yeah, I, I mean, mean
4: again, we know nothing about the narrative inside of it, we but just don't and it's a different
2: time statistics but, alone.
4: Yeah, that's st- I mean it, it sounds it sounds lovely. And
2: also, I like that they died roughly within a year of each other. Yeah, the sort of swan thing of one dies the other one goes, you know, that feels like that's what I want for my long-term, you know, I want to basically have it be more or less simultaneous, which a year is not simultaneous, but it's
4: kind of simultaneous if you're talking about 65. Yeah. That's also very sweet of you to say, Michael.
2: Yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. I was was looking at you and thinking about my wife, but...
4: That's not sweet of you to say. (laughs) That came out wrong. All right. All right. All right. Three sons. Yeah, and two were were professional or semi-professional baseball players and one professional football player.
2: The NFL, yeah, Larry, named after dad. And I saw that Larry actually got Yogi, his father, on a stamp. Oh, he was the one responsible for that? That's right. Okay. Which is pretty cool. One thing about the son, I don't know how much this is that we're talking about, but this is sort of in the little bit of evidence in good dad category or, or evidence for good father parenting. Dale Barra, who was managed by his dad in the 84 85 season, I think that's with the Mets, was charged in April of 89 with cocaine possession uh, as part of an investigation into a drug ring that was distributing as much as 20,000 in cocaine weekly in northern New Jersey. I dug deeper, and there's a blurb in Dale's autobiography where he talks about his struggles with addiction. And he says that his father, Yogi, supported his son all along. This is, I'm quoting here, eventually staged the intervention that would save Dale's life and draw the entire family even closer. All the kids seem to have nice things to say about dad. Maybe that's just public posturing, but in as much as you can have a healthy family life in limelight, that seems to have been what they have here.
4: At least looks that way. Totally agree. Yeah. So looks great. Sounds great. As far as we know.
2: As far as we know. Okay, next category, net
4: worth. What did you find? Five. That's what I saw. Man, that felt a little low. No, it's, I mean, think about the eras that he played in and that he thrived in.
2: Five million for one of the greatest Yankees of all time? He had his own museum. He was named after a cartoon character. Five seems a little low. But these
4: gargantuan salaries for athletes and all did not start until the last 20-something years. But what he did have, what Yogi did have, is he had a ton of endorsements.
3: Who says you who's just for kids? yoo for anyone who likes a delicious chocolate drink made with nourishing low-fat milk. Get Yoo-Hoo from their
4: coy brains. And yeah. so that's, that's why Five might seem a little low. Uh, maybe that's it.
2: Because it does seem like there were opportunities to cash in on an unbelievably recognizable name. I mean, even in the quiz, in the obituary, came up one of the most recognizable nicknames in all of sports— I don't feel so agreed. Five million is a lot, and who knows? That's net worth at death, right? So we don't know what kind of It doesn't
4: really mean anything, but it's a number we talk about.
2: It's a number we talk about, and I expected it to be a little bit higher.
4: Yeah. So if this Hanna-Barbera—like, if he did win that suit, would there have been, like, lifetime royalties coming in? One would have to presume. Yeah, or some sort of—yeah, I mean, a a fraction of a penny each time or something. Right. But But
2: you're right. The sports— Landscape and how much we make in it has has changed over. I don't know if it's just the last twenty years. I'd I'd say more like thirty. I think it was like in the sort of eighties. I, I want to say beginning really with Michael Jordan and because of endorsements, you know, that things started really because of
4: endorsements. But the gargantuan salaries didn't start, I think, until like Alex Rodriguez and yeah, and yeah. Allen Iverson and people like that.
2: Sure, that's fair. Next category category six, Simpsons, Saturday Night Live, or Hollywood Walk of Fame. This category is a measure of how famous a person is. We include both guest appearances on SNL and The Simpsons, as well as impersonations or references to those characters. Yeah.
4: I'll take the of fame part. I didn't see Hollywood Walk of Fame. There would be no reason to, but there was all sorts of other of fames that he was a part of. Baseball Hall of Fame, St. Louis Hall of Fame. There was no question there was an of fame.
2: Yes, I agree. Although I do wonder how many non-baseball fans realize Yogi Berra was a baseball player. Because I think as time goes on, the cartoon character may actually be more famous than the man.
4: I think that time has already happened. We might have been the last generation that even knows who he is. Right. I, I, I'll i say this.
2: I I knew the bear well before I knew that the man existed. I absolutely was watching Yogi Bear cartoons well before I knew that there was a baseball player named Yogi Bear. And I kind of didn't even believe it when yeah. I learned it. It's funny. When you talk about Yogi Bear, I mean, I don't want to go off into much of a rabbit hole, we live in a culture that is always like resurrecting and recycling sort of nostalgic pop culture. There has not been a Yogi Bear movie. There has not been, I don't think a reboot of the Yogi Bear cartoon. I mean, I think even like the Jetsons, which is still in the Hanna-Barbera family. I think that they've, they've done some rebooting and sort of keeping up with
4: them in places. But now they're going to hear this and Kevin James is going to be Yogi Bear. (laughs) Yogi Bear. (laughs) (laughs)
2: All right, I got to ask now. What's your relationship to the cartoons?
4: I remember watching them, that's all. I remember enjoying them. I also remember enjoying them, yeah.
1: I have had it, Boo-Boo. I'm going to bust out of here. How come, Yogi? Every day it's the same old thing. Look at the bears, look at the bears, look at the bears. Sheesh. Hey, Pop, look at the bears, look at the bears, look at the bears. See what I mean, Boo-Boo?
2: Yeah, well, I guess this is why I pointed out that there hasn't been a reboot of the cartoon. You know, do 20-somethings today know about Yogi Bear? Forget Yogi Bear. Do they know about Yogi Bear the cartoon?
4: I'm going to have to ask
2: around. I'll be curious if he's still part of the sort of like pop culture canon.
4: Yeah. So that reminds me of, do you know the band of Minus the Bear? I don't. There's a fairly well-known band called Minus the Bear. Okay. And actually, my friend Todd works with the band. He's a road manager type of guy. But it's just funny. The name of that band and what you say is like, will people remember him without the bear? Minus the bear. Yeah, there's already a title out there.
2: Yeah, well, I guess that this is why I asked the question about that there hasn't been a reboot of the cartoon.
4: Yeah, I don't know. I know very few people between the ages of like 18 and 33 right now.
2: That's probably a healthy thing. Uh, that's a, why, why would you say that? Why like? Well, I don't know. It seems like if you did know them, it'd be because you're dating.
4: No, that's preposterous. What a filthy comment to (laughs) make. No, I I want you to strike that from the record. I think it is important to know somebody of every decade. I agree with that. And
2: I didn't mean to imply that you were prowling the bars where you shouldn't have been or anything like that. But I also think that you are of an age that if you're hanging out with a bunch of 20-somethings, is that not a little bit inappropriate? I said
4: nothing about hanging out. Well, I just <laughs> said knowing. I'm 43 years old, and I say I know very few people between the ages of 18 and 33. I'm editing out all of this. And you went immediately <laughs> to, it's a good thing you don't know anyone.
2: I didn't mean like that. It just. I believe in age-appropriateness, but I also believe in multi-generational friendships. I didn't
4: mean to dismiss that. Yeah, I? I just think it's funny that you went there with that and worked where all I said is, I don't know. Did I insult? Yes. Yes, you did. Then I'm sorry. But I want to, (laughs) thank
2: you. When I made that very fast joke saying that's probably a good thing, for me, what I was saying
4: is, oh, we now know Ahmed is definitely not a predator. And that was in question before? (laughs) Like, does anything about my personality even say I want to date a 25-year-old? No. I stand corrected. I stand humbly before you. stand down, sir. (laughs) I stand
2: down. I'm not even trying to make a stand. I'm trying, I said I was sorry. I meant it. Yeah, even if I were dating right now, I like, I like peer group, Yeah, you know? I know this. I know. I was clarifying for the audience. Okay. All right. Amit's um, not a predator next
4: category. Just uh, The vocab that didn't even have to be introduced, the word. Like, this is, you, <laughs> this is unwittingly witty. Amit um, like, is
2: dating age-appropriate women.
4: No, I'm not dating anybody. Amit's um, not dating. <laughs> I'm taking myself a real hole. How here. about Amit is good character? I'm mean, in this
2: great character. I wouldn't do this show with you if I didn't admire your character. Thank you. Look, and as much as you and I are talking about dead celebrities trying to figure out what we want out of life, it's because I think you have something to bring to the table. Very important. So I admire you, I respect <laughs> you, and I apologize for any suggestion that that suggested otherwise.
4: Great. And now my next girlfriend's going to be 29 years old, and she's going to hear this, and I'm going to be in... Just, it's going to all fall apart. I
2: can't wait to meet her.
4: That's terrible.
2: Next category. <laughs> Where are we? We never even finished.
4: Never finished. So Simpsons, SNL, the, the Hall of Fame and the Walk of Fame. So Simpsons and SNL, you take it. So Saturday Night Live. I
2: found a reference to a cameo that was from a skit in 1984. This is, I think, the years when Lauren Michaels was away from the show. Because the skit was written by Billy Crystal and Christopher Guest and starred Bob Euchre. Or Bob Euchre was hosting. In 1984, which I think that alone is great. But it's one of those skits that exists behind a paywall or you're not able to find easily on YouTube. So he was on SNL at some point. With The Simpsons, I found nothing. Uh, I did find one Treehouse of Horror episode that Yogi Bear was in season 21, but that's kind of a stretch.
4: Yeah, that is a stretch. Yeah, that just still doesn't count as Yogi Berra being on The Simpsons. But
2: I agree that the Baseball Hall of Fame, St. Louis Hall of Fame, he is famous. I, I still think that as the years go by, the cartoon character Yogi Bear might be more famous than the man Yogi Berra. Should we go into the next category? Yeah, it's one of my favorite categories. Let's go. <laughs> category seven over under the life expectancy. The life expectancy of a man born in 1925 was 57.6 years old. Yogi Berra lived to 90. 90.
4: Blew it out of the water. By 33 years. Nicely done. Yeah. Way over.
2: Yeah, and not
4: all athletes do that, too. Like, it's easier to think. Yeah. But, yeah. I do remember— I mean, 90 is impressive now. Absolutely. I do seem to remember learning that of all the professional sports,
2: baseball players tend to live longer than basketball players, than football players, than hockey players. I think part of it probably has to do with the level of contact, like how brutal those sports are. But they also, the like, shape you have to stay in to be athletic in baseball lends itself to longevity. Anyway, good job, Yogi Berra.
0: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing All right, let's get to the inner life
2: questions. So this is where we try and make a best guess at what we think it would have been like to have been this person. The first category here is man in the mirror. What do you think Yogi Berra thought of his reflection in the mirror?
4: I think positive, even though some of the words that were used, he's kind of awkward looking, ungainly, according to the New York times. But, you know, you said cuddly, lovable. He just looks likable. The smile looks really genuine. It's an ear-to-ear type of smile. Yeah. I think he liked himself. I think he liked the whole package.
2: I tend to agree. I mean, I had to think about this a little bit. Bulbous features, the rounded nose, the heavy jaw, the protruding ears. Decidedly a goofy-looking dude, even in his prime, even when he was, you know, a stud athlete. I I guess I wonder, are there any athletes who look in the mirror and don't like what they see?
4: Yes. I think so? I don't have an example, but yes.
2: Yeah. Do you think some athletes are driven by that experience?
4: By the experience of not liking their reflection? Yeah.
2: Of, of, I mean, you could even call it body dysmorphia to some extent. That I'm, they work out even harder or they train even harder because they're just not satisfied with literally oh, what yeah. they see in the mirror. Sure.
4: Yeah. yeah. But Probably. we're also talking about a totality of life here. So yes. I'm also talking about 85 year old yogi. Yeah. You
2: know? Yeah. I mean, it's not anything you can do anything about, obviously. This is part of what makes this sort of an interesting question. I sense peace inner peace, I guess.
4: I don't know. You can do something about it, though. The way you care I mean, in addition to the very obvious things about exercise and grooming and so forth, Right. there is a way you carry yourself that can absolutely change the way that you perceive yourself. Yeah. And then there's the other thing about just changing the perception, right? You can always look the same, but how you look at yourself can very easily shift depending on a wide range of things. You know what my real answer to this question
2: is? I don't think he thought much about it.
4: Yeah, I, I don't, I don't get the, the impression that this is a guy who actually really studied himself in the And he would probably much. say something like, what's a mirror? Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, are right. Uh, all right, next category, outgoing message. Uh, like Man in the Mirror, we want to know how they felt about the sound of their own voice when they heard it on an answering machine or outgoing voicemail.
0: You have reached the voicemail box of...
2: I think he had to love it. Deep voice, great accent, very confident speaker.
4: Yeah, totally.
2: No question, Totally. And
4: said these things, you know, all the the yogiisms. you don't have that type of personality if you don't like the way you speak. Yeah, totally. 100%.
2: All right. Next category, regrets, public or private. What we really want to know is what, if anything, kept this person awake at night. On the public, I think getting fired by the Yankees, that had to have hurt. That had to look like a regret.
4: How is that his regret, though?
2: It's not exactly, but the way he handles it is, it becomes his regret. That he distances himself from the franchise. And, and as much as this was a family to him, he, he draws a separation between him and his family. That, to me, speaks to a regret. I mean, I, I bet there's, first of all, a regret with the performance of his team that got him fired. If you are a coach, you want to win. He didn't win. That's going to be a regret. But I think the more important regret potentially is the kind of like, I felt so embraced by this franchise for all my life and now they're just throwing me out like this. I'm done with you. I would think that that would cascade into a series of regrets about the relationship you've developed with this institution over the course of your career.
4: Yeah, I mean, which is why he didn't speak to Steinbrenner for 14 years or, like, want anything to do with the organization.
2: Yeah, but that's it's that second part. You can have a beef with the head dude, Steinbrenner, and say, screw you, Steinbrenner, I don't want to be around you. But there's also, I think, still a a way to have a relationship with the organization and with the fans and so forth. We don't know, but it looked to me like he distanced himself from the whole institution and made it about the Yankees, not just George Steinbrenner. I don't know. I guess that's a regret. I'll give another public regret. He does have a book called I Didn't Say Everything I Said. Yeah. It's a great title for a book by Yogi Berra. I wonder how he felt about being attributed so many witticisms, so many Yogiisms, because there is some question about how many of them he
4: really said. So what are you implying? Like, what could, be the, what could be regretful about that?
2: That he's taking credit for something that he didn't do, that he has a personality where people said, you know what Yogi said. If you're that kind of athlete and you're that successful, that you're a competitive personality. Yeah. My assumption would be that you want to earn all of the accolades that you get, but he's getting praise for things he may not have even said. His yeah. book is called, I Didn't Say Everything I Said. So yeah, I wonder if it's a regret.
4: Yeah. It could be. It's funny, I, I, this didn't occur to me now, but the nickname Yogi, the origins were obviously very different. But a Yogi is, generally they're wise, they're known for wisdom. Yeah. Right? And so I wonder how much of that, of like, just the more they appropriated quotes because of the name, and it just fit. Like, it was just this virtuous cycle. Yeah. But yeah, I can understand getting getting credit where it's not due. What did you yeah. have here? What did you have for regrets public or private? I couldn't. I wondered about like the devoting his entire life to baseball with the exception of the bowling alley. I was about to mention the bowling but, alley. But I mean, uh, granted, he was a father and he was many things, but his professional biography, with the exception of the witticisms and the endorsements, it's, it's all baseball. That would bother me, I think, but I don't think that bothers necessarily a lot of people. I don't think it necessarily bothers him.
2: All right. Let's go into the next category good dreams or bad dreams? Unlike man in the mirror and voicemail, this is not about personal perception, but rather, does this person have a certain look in the eye? Anything that would suggest a kind of inner turmoil or inner demons, unresolved trauma, what do you see in the eye?
4: He didn't have the look, but I I can't believe we haven't covered it to this point, but he was at Normandy when he was in the military. Yeah. I mean, he has he seen some stuff. I mean, anybody that goes through World War II but specifically being there. Right. And I believe he was grazed with a bullet, but either way was... Saw war, saw action. Yeah. Saw war and, and saw some of the very worst parts of it. So I just, I wonder, but I don't see it in the eye. This
2: is an interesting thing about PTSD, though, that we're learning. My understanding of PTSD today is like... Two people can go through the exact same series of events and one comes out of it with PTSD and one doesn't. That Some of it has to do with, for want of a better term, how sensitive we are. Who knows when it comes to Yogi Berra? I'm with you. I didn't see the haunted look in the eye. I do wonder if you don't have to have a little of that somewhere to have that ultra-competitive part of your personality. I, 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 it's just hard for me to imagine any... A-plus lister athlete that doesn't have something inside them that they got to prove and something that's like fueling hyper-competitiveness. It's not on display with him as it might be with somebody like Michael Jordan or Muhammad Ali, but I don't, it's not evident to me. I would say good dreams. Yeah. All right. Second to last category here, cocktail, coffee, or cannabis. This is where we ask, which would we most want to partake with our dead celebrity? This may be a question of what kind of drug sounds like the most fun to partake with this person, or uh, another philosophy here is that it may be that a particular kind of drug would allow access to a part of them that you are most curious
4: about. Would you like to go first here? Let me just add to your description. It could also have nothing to do with the, the drug itself and just be what is the environment that you want to spend time with this person around. Yeah, 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 yeah fair. So my, my answer was Cocktail. I mean, he was a pitch man for Miller Lite and something else. He was a pitch man for yoo I could have had you with him. Yeah. But just seems like a kind of guy that I just want to, you know, sit down and have a drink with. And maybe he does nothing but entertain me with all the things that he's seen and all the stories he's seen. I'm not craving inner access to anything more.
2: I agree with that. I'm not trying to unlock anything here. Part of me wanted to go coffee because usually when I sense and intelligence... Which I do sense with somebody who's got that kind of wit. I'm always interested to see an intellect on display, you know, and coffee I think is a nice vehicle for that. I actually went cannabis though, because I think he's just fucking funny. And I
4: think it like the humor alone, I just would have loved to get high and giggle with Yogi Berra. Is he funny now though? These are largely like dad jokes, these things that made him. But
2: there's I think the physique is goofy and that would have Put me in that kind of like I'm ready to laugh state, and I do think that even dad jokes can make me giggle if I'm the, the right level of high. So I kind of feel like just to hang out and laugh. It's similar to your answer in a way. I mostly just want to hang out with them, but I think I just want to hang out and be high with them rather than be a little bit tipsy with them.
4: Yeah, I, I guess I kind of gave a mix of cocktail, coffee. Yeah. I said a yuho or a beer.
2: <laughs> it's just really, right? And who has got caffeine. Gosh, I guess we're here already. We're at our final category, the Vanderbeek, named after James Vanderbeek, who famously said in Varsity Blues,
1: "I don't want your life."
2: Based on everything we've been talking about, the big question is: Do you want this life, Amit? Do you want to start with this? Do you want Yogi Berra's life?
4: I'll take the first answer. So, so what I said about regrets—I think I don't want that. I don't want the single sport, single dedication. I, I admire it a lot, but I don't want it. Playing baseball, coaching baseball, is essentially being the definition of your career. Fathering professional athletes, I'm just somebody who that inside soul of me wants more variety. Yeah, right. I like the 65 year length marriage. I think is beautiful. Yeah. But the the word you used a few times was transcendence. Right. That he was the player. He was the coach. He had the witticisms, he was a part of so much history, but also lovable, seemed really well liked, successful family, there wasn't a lot of, of rupturing that we know of.
2: Yeah, the evidence for family life turmoil is not there, yeah. even, even with the son who's struggling with addiction.
4: Yeah, so I, I see all of that, and I'll say yes, I'll say yes to the Vanderbeek. I'll take it.
2: Yeah, I don't know that I even have to think about this one all that much. I think I would say yes for exactly the same reasons. I I, I guess I just want to elaborate a little on what you said. I am not that particularly attracted to sports success as the sole achievement of your life, even if it is as a player and as a coach, that you give me any athlete who is on the top 10 or top 50 most important athletes, which I I guess to be really transparent about that, I think that this is something that men struggle with, right? That there is a machismo that comes with sports in America and that to be a great athlete, you said you didn't make the high school baseball team. There came a point in my youth when sports kind of left me and I tried to reclaim them a little bit in college but you know I was was always a good enough athlete to like play some backyard ball or that kind of thing but I was never I was never a stud on a team and there's some insecurity that comes with not being a stud I think so There is a way in which the American athlete in any sport, and an athlete, I don't know, is limited to America, is somebody who we put on a pedestal that I have conflicted feelings about. I like seeing athleticism on display. I enjoy sports. But in terms of I want to be those people who are succeeding, I feel like that train left me a long time ago. So to the extent that I want this life, it is absolutely because of the transcendent pieces of it. It's the witticisms. It's the fact that he had a... Cartoon character named after him, regardless of what, Hanna yeah. <laughs> Barbera has to say that the personality is so goddamn big that I learned about the bear before I learned about the baseball player, right? And th- and that there just does seem to be this like locker room kind of thing where like everybody loved this guy and he made his own contribution in his own way. So it is the two of these things together. That plus all the other life stats are great. Way over on the over under long marriage. I'm going to assume it's a good one. Five million feels a little low, but five million is pretty damn good. Yeah. And, you know, you don't have to show up on The Simpsons or Saturday Night Live. You know, he's he's a good level of famous.
4: Yeah, and he was also a slightly different era for that particular category of question. That's right. So we're both yes on this. Yeah, I like what you said about you not wanting that sort of athlete's fame. And I I, I don't know that I necessarily like that I hold that same position. However... I think when that level of athletic ability and performance is combined with humility, it is such a graceful, beautiful thing. And I think maybe he had that.
2: I agree. And in fact, if you remove the baseball piece of this and stick him in, I don't know, some corporate environment, I think there's still a
4: lot I'd like about this life,
2: you know? Yeah. Like, this this one's good. This one's really good. I guess we've reached that moment. I feel like you need to take this one. Amit, take, yeah. are you ready to be Yogi Berra? Yeah. All right, so you've died, and age 90, you're after your
4: wife's death, and you've gone to the Pearly Gates, and you're ready to meet St. Peter. And and as we say, the the Pearly Gates and St. Peter, they're a stand-in for however you want to define salvation in, in the afterlife. So, St. Peter, I'm Larry, or Yogi. So look at me, age 90, Married at 24, started playing baseball before that, was in World War II, set millions of records as far as appearances, batting titles, you name it. Player, coach, did it all. That's not the reason to let me in. The reason to let me in is because I'm a model human being. I brought lightheartedness to the sport. I brought humor to the public. I was loyal to my family. I was largely loyal to a few teams within my entire storied career. And people loved me. My children loved me. My wife loved me. (laughs) Boo-boo. I think loved me. I think I was a model human being. Let me in. Thank you for listening to this episode of Famous
2: and Gravy. If you're enjoying our show, please go to Apple Podcasts to rate and review. You can sign up for our mailing list at famousandgravy.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at Famous and Our show was co-created by Amit Kapoor and me, Michael Osborne, mixing, mastering, and sound design by Morgan Honaker, graphic design by Brandon Burke, and original music by Kevin Strang. Thank you again for listening, and hope to see you
4: next time.
1: What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money? 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat?
2: Were they shop? Would I shop?
1: Would you kill?
2: Yes. My mom and dad.
1: My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast.